react the way we would. February 14, 2023, Huntington Beach Planning Commission meeting. I would like to wish everyone a happy Valentine's Day. Thank you for being here and celebrating it with us. And um, anyway, at this point, I would like everybody to stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. And I would ask Commissioner Wood to lead us. Thank you. At this time, it's time for roll call and Mr. Snyder. Yes, good evening. Um, Commissioner Adam. Commissioner Acosta Galvan. Here. Vice Chair Twining. Here. Chair Pellman. Here. Commissioner Kennedy. Present. Commissioner Rodriguez. Here. Commissioner Wood. Here. We have a quorum. Thank you. Um, I'd also like to announce that um, tonight we have um, a new commissioner with us. Oh, sorry, <laughs> Kennedy, and um, and thank you for joining us. And um, uh, Mr. Strzok has uh, resigned. Okay. Um, at this point, um, may okay we did that. Okay. So now it's time for public comments um, that, that are not on the agenda this evening. And um, do we have any public comments? We have no one signed up to speak for items that are not on the agenda. Thank you. Okay, so at this point, um, next we have a public hearing item. It is tentative, mat, uh, tentative track map TTM number 18196 conditional use permit CUP number 19-012 Garfield Residential um, and before um, I open it um, I'd like the planning commissioners to please state any disclosures they have regarding this item and we'll start with Kayla uh, uh, Acosta Galvin Commissioner Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, yes I will be recusing myself from this item I have a financial interest okay uh, no, no disclosures myself, thank you. No disclosures for me. Um, I did meet with, uh, uh, in regards to this item, loosely uh, welcoming uh, Don to the uh, Planning Commission yesterday at, over coffee at uh, Starbucks, and I explained to them how the, the agenda works, and we might have just mentioned that project. Commissioner Kennedy. Essentially, I mirror what Butch said. I, I did meet with Butch just really to understand uh, 
the responsibilities of the Planning Commission, what's ahead of me. Didn't really talk about anything in specific. And uh, also Tracy was there as well. And I have that same disclosure. In addition to that, and I'm not sure, and maybe Mr. Schneider can help me with this, um, we did have one email, I believe it was sent to all commissioners, and it was, re it was from uh, a Mr. Ross, and it was an email regarding this item. So I'm just disclosing that I have read that, okay? And at this point, um, Mr. Snyder, you're going to announce who's gonna give the presentation. Yes, I'd like to uh, introduce you to Tess Nguyen. She's one of the staff's associate planners, and she's the project manager for this project. Good evening. Before you today is the Garfield Residential Project. And this project is located at 8341 Garfield Avenue. It's on the north side of Garfield, just west of Newland. The general plan and zoning for this project is single family, um, low, residential low density, and the surrounding uses are single family residences. The project requests have two entitlements. The first one is a tentative track map to subdivide a 2.4 acre site into 10 number lots for single family residential purposes and four letter lots for private streets, landscaping, parking, and water quality purposes. The other entitlement is the condition use permit to uh, permit the development of 10 single family residences on a 2.4 acre site with greater than three foot grade difference. Um, here is the site plan for the project. As you can see, there's 10 um, lots here with landscaping and the driveway off of Gregory. And here is the perspective view of those 10 houses there. And these are the elevations. Um, this is one example of the elevations of the project. The project provides visual interest through a variety of design elements, colors, and materials. And the scale, design, and layout complement the surrounding uses. The project complies with um, the following development standards of the single family zone. Um, minimum building site, lot width, building setbacks, building height, lot coverage, residential privacy design standards, landscaping, off-street parking, and fences and walls. The project is consistent with the general plan and its goals and policies. The project is compatible with the residential character of the neighborhood, and it complies with the provision of the Huntington Beach uh, Zoning and Subdivision Ordinance, it is in substantial conformance with the design, urban design guidelines. The project applicant will pay the in-lieu fees to satisfy the 10% affordable housing requirements. And the project will pay the park in-lieu fees to satisfy Quimby Act requirements as well. And the project adds to the city's housing stock. With the reasons above, staff is recommending approval of the tentative track map and the condition use permit based on those reasons. And I'll be happy to answer any questions. Thank you. Commissioners, anybody, would anyone like to? Um, yes. This might seem a little odd, but um, I, got, I was 
reading on uh, our neighborhood, you know, Facebook, not not Facebook, but you know, the neighborhood website, and and I promised the people that were there was probably 50 to 60 comments on this on this particular project, and uh, nothing really out of the you know bad, but it was there was a very weird request, and and we wanted. I told them that I would bring it up to you that and if do they know the history of the property what happened on that property back in 1968 I am not aware of the history the the question I think you're referring to has to do with the landslide the um, the, the sinkhole that the sinkhole I'm sorry that, the that killed three three young girls so with any development uh, prior to issuing of a building permit a geotechnical report will need to be submitted to verify the feasibility of development on this, and that will include all the design recommendation by the soil engineer. Um, based on the general plan, this particular site is in a low subsidence area and also not in a potential liquefaction area. Okay, good, that's, I, I just told him I would, I would relay that on to you, and, and, and I, Work, I used to own a soils engineering, geotechnical engineering company, so I answered, answered that question to them as well. So uh, I'm satisfied. I just, I just said that I would bring it up. All right. All right. Check. Any other commissioners? Yes. Commissioner Rodriguez. Yes. Thank you, Tess, for the presentation. I have a question on the parking. So based on our code, um, it says... So it's code 23.04, off-street parking and loaning spaces required. Uh, technically, they're supposed to have, because it's five bedrooms or more of the homes, three parkings inside and three parkings outside? Correct. So that means a total of 60 parking spaces within the whole, correct? Yes. I only saw 16 on the, on the, on the map. Is that, am I looking at it wrong or? So the... Three-car garage for each site is on the site itself, plus the three open spaces for each lot. And then the extra parking that you see on the street are the extra for the guests. Okay, perfect. So that answers that question. And then my other question is regards to um, archaeological sites. Um, any indigenous remains or anything that comes up, it's this, this property is not pursuant to, to that code? It's, it's not found, we didn't find any information regarding that. Okay, perfect. And then my last and final question is regarding, um, in the project narrative, it says that um, the developer will pay the in lieu fee. Um, because this is a single family home, does that, is that um, at $250, uh, $2.54 times 2,000 square feet, is that, is that the, um, does that seem right to you? So the, in lieu fee for the park is a total of seventeen thousand eight hundred and fifty-seven. For the whole prop, for the per, whole development, or uh, per, per unit. Per unit, okay. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, that concludes my questions. Thank you. Any other commissioners? Yes. yes. Commissioner Wood. The first question I have is on CUB condition number eight. I believe possibly there's a typo. It refers to a tentative parcel map rather than a tentative trap map. That would be a typo, yes. Okay. Um, I didn't find anywhere on the plans what the open space calculation was. There's a, a table, but it's not really clear as to what the open space requirement is and what is provided. 
I see that there's calculations for the front yard areas only, but not the site in, as a whole. So for single families residential uses, there is no requirement for open space. The open space requirement is only applicable to multifamily uh, developments. Okay, thank you. Um, and a couple questions for fire. Um, on the, the gated entry, it doesn't appear as though there's a whole lot of stacking distance for cars that may be um, impeded in, in the way of a fire truck in case they need to get in the gate. Can you answer um, how that was reviewed? So our city specification um, for gates and entries requires that a setback of 30 feet be in place uh, when they have entry gates. And this um, layout shows a 32-foot setback between Gregory and the uh, gate. Thank you. In addition to that, um, the fire hydrant spacing, since this is a, a one-way in and out, and there is a pretty unique fire truck turnaround implemented. Um, what is the city's code on distance for fire hydrants and how does that compare to what's been designed? So we consider this like a cul-de-sac. So the furthest a hydrant can be spaced is 500 feet from the end of the cul-de-sac. And you know where the hydrant is placed at the moment is, I haven't really measured, but it looks, it says 250 or some odd feet. Um, Okay, thank you. And then another um, issue, maybe a typo on the tentative map, on the lettered lots on either side of the entrance, it shows letter lot B twice, and I don't know that the one on the right-hand side could be lot B since it's contiguous with lot C, so maybe that's just a clean-up item. Okay. We'll verify that um, when they submit for the final map. Okay, that's all I had, thank you. Hearing no other commissioners, no? Mm -hmm. Okay, close public hearing. And at this point, um, I would like to ask the commissioners if there is a motion. Chair, I think you need yeah. to open the public hearing oh, at this point. I do. Oh, sorry. Oh, I thought I did already though, no? No, open it then, okay. Now close it. No. Okay. No, we have speakers. Oh, we do. Okay. Okay. I'm going to call you down. Please come and line up at the podium. Bill Jager, Sam McMillan, Kathy Velchi, Darren Jarris. Please list your name when you start to speak. Thank you. Can you hear me okay? Yes. I represent the property owner, and I, I head up a consultant team that was hired to obtain the entitlements for the property. We've worked for over six years on this project, and want to thank planning staff and all the hard work that they've put into this, you know, working with our team. Um, we do accept all the conditions of approval that have been suggested on the property. And uh, I just want to give you some of the high-level uh, items on the project, and, and and I've got my team ready here to answer any technical questions that you might have. <clears throat> There's 10 single-family homes. They're all market-rate 
luxury homes, and they average about 4,344 feet in size. And they, the smallest house is 3,131 feet, and the largest is 4,450 feet, both in five and six bedroom uh, configurations. The project is gated, as was, uh, <clears throat> as was previously um, stated, and it complies, and most importantly, it complies with all the tenants of the general plan and the zoning code. We're not asking for any variances, no variances to setbacks, heights, you know, landscape areas, whatever. We completely comply with every single rule that the city has um, in this particular zone. It's a very low density project, and um, we do comply, in fact, exceed the, the, the parking slightly, you know, with the three parking spots inside the garages and the three additional parking spots in the driveway, plus the eight parking spots for guests uh, along uh, the internal uh, private street. We'll be contributing over $181,000 into the Inclusionary Housing Fund, uh, which is $9.07 a foot for up to 2,000 feet for this particular uh, project. Um, we will be pro pro providing over $178,000 to the City Park Fund, $42,000 in drainage fees, $285,000 in traffic impact fees, and 200, over $200,000 in school impact fees. So we're paying a lot of money to the city for the right to build just 10 houses. Um, this is a high quality project that we believe will contribute to the neighborhood and the community at large and, um, and provide 10 new houses for large families. Um, we will be undergrounding all of our neighbors' utilities that are, are adjacent along Gregory Lane that are adjacent to our, our site. And, um, and that's about it. We, again, I have our technical team ready here to answer any technical issues. So, Commissioners, any questions? Any questions, Commissioners? No? Okay. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Next. Yeah, my name is Sam McMillan. I live on Crimson Circle, and my property butts up, uh, up a fairly steep hill to the new development. And um, it looked like the plans have changed since the first time I saw them. And um, right now we have a retaining wall that's been there since the homes were built in 77. It's probably between three and a half and four feet high. And I'm wondering, um, I couldn't tell because it came by so quickly, will that be replaced or what are the plans with the 10 new homes? Staff? We can answer questions per okay. speaker, but generally we take all the public comments and then you oh. could direct any questions okay. to staff. Okay. Okay. That, that wall um, that we have now is too short. And what happens since the home that was there has been moved, kids like to come play there. And the first thing they want to do is slide down my hill and break all the sprinklers off while they're doing it. And it's happened multiple times. And I'd like to see however this development proceeds that that not happen. And I guess my second question is, it looked like the homes, the 10 of them are gonna be in a line. And these are very large homes. And the first um, schematic I saw, the home that would be behind my house was like 11 feet from my property line. That's, you know, there has been some erosion problems. That seems like 10 houses that are huge and a whole lot of weight sitting 10 feet, 11 feet from my property. 
I'm just wondering, with enough rain, will these be sliding right down my hill? So those are my two issues. Thank you. Thank you. Next. Good evening. Uh, my name is Kathy Velchi. Um, first, I want to clear a few things. Uh, the vice chair mentioned that he had received a quote-unquote weird request on the Nextdoor app. I am the uh, woman that posted that app, for the record. Um, I currently live at 19032 Summerfield Lane. I've uh, lived there for about 14 years now. I'm the second owner. The uh, tract was built in uh, 1965. I live next door to the original owner of the, uh, uh, within that uh, tract off Summerfield Lane. Um, and I'm the third house, actually, um, I'd say I'm 350 feet uh, from where this is going to um, propose to be built. Um, when I moved in, I had asked several neighbors. There were two. One is my next door neighbor. The other is the neighbor that lives straight across from me. Um, she's since passed away. She passed away in, in, uh, in um, 2014, around that time. I do have her name. She lost her son as well, but I do have her full name as the parent, as well as the neighbor that lives next door. Um, he just turned 91. He's really not in good physical condition or mental condition. But I'm trying to get a hold of, of his uh, children. There are two that would be the siblings. So let me clear the record again. Um, there were three children that died. They weren't three girls. There were two girls and one boy. And they ranged from four to seven years of age. So I'm sure they were short in stature. And it happened 350 feet from where I am. And my neighbor next door to me, uh, you know, he's the next door neighbor. He's even closer uh, to the land uh, here. I do know that they recently put up a chain link fence about a year ago. As I said, I've been there 14 years and it's never been chained off. There's just overgrowth on the property in talking with the neighbors. We all heard about the story. Of course, I wasn't around uh, when it was uh, built in 65. I was here, but, but not uh, in Huntington Beach in 65. So I learned about this tragic uh, happening in uh, around 1968. But I do want to follow up and confirm that, and I'm trying to get newspaper articles and things of that nature with full names because I'm very, very concerned uh, that that land is unsafe. Three children were buried alive. This is not made up. This is real. This is what happened. And it hasn't been touched, the property, okay, in 51 you. years. Thank you. So it's very important. Please thank delay you. this immediately. Thank okay. You. Can the following people please come down? Daniel Heise. I apologize if I miss pronounce that. Robert Katzen with time donated from Vin Tong. Dennis Jensen with time donated from Karen Sargent and Susan Torrance. Thank you. Hi there. Uh, my name is Darren Jaros. Um, I am a new homeowner at 18981 Crimson Circle and I want to voice my concerns with this. 
Um, we just made a significant investment to buy our house um, and are continuing to invest in our property to renovate it, um, including renovations to the exterior, including a swimming pool in our backyard. Um, after viewing the plans for the lot, I'm very concerned about the future of our home, which, like I mentioned, is a large financial investment. Uh, specifically, we're concerned about privacy. Since we're at the bottom of the hill and these large homes, these large two-story homes are going to be right on our property line at the top of the hill, the second-story windows are going to be overlooking our property. Um, I'm specifically concerned with Lot 9 Plan E and Lot 10 Plan F. Um, both of these plans have multiple second-story windows that would allow direct visibility down into our backyard and into the windows and the sliding glass doors in the back of our house. One of the main reasons my wife and I purchased our home is because of the pri privacy um, it provides for our family. If there will be two-story houses built um, up on the lot, we want to make sure that these second-story windows have affixed windows with obscured glass so they can't see into our backyard. We are also requesting that the, the developers plant vegetation along the property line to aid in obstructing the view into our yard. I did not see in the plans anywhere online that there were you know, plans to add vegetation to block the, the property line. Um, I'm also concerned with potential drainage issues from the new lots. If not done correctly, um, the drainage from the new development could damage our property um, since we're located at the bottom of a steep hill from where the development is. Um, and if it continues to rain like it did this year, we have very real concerns about these massive houses sitting on top of the hill and potential landslides. You know, as it was mentioned earlier, you know, there were uh, the, the sinkhole that occurred and killed three children, like that definitely elevates and raises our concerns um, for the stability of the ground up there. Um, so yeah, thank you. Next. Thank you for uh, taking my time to come on down here and talk with you. Of course, this is not the, how I wanted to go ahead and celebrate Valentine's Day. Sir, what's your name? I had a uh, memo what, that I shared name? with the people that live on Gregory Lane. The reason that I'm Sir, here um, is... Could you please state your name? If, can you please state oh, your name? My name is Robert Katzen. Thank you. And I've lived at this area now for 45 years. So I wrote a memo to the Planning Commission concerning the exit and entry of cars coming from this home development onto Gregory Lane. And I'd like to go ahead and read the memo to you. And I'd like to share some pictures that unfortunately I didn't get enough, but I'd like to share with you so that you can understand where I'm coming from. This is the memo. I am opposed to the proposal entry and exit for the housing plans to Gregory Lane. Gregory Lane was initially a private street and dead end. In fact, initially, in order to build, required approval from the residents that lived at that location. This also included approval for an entrance to the Calvary Church, which is on the corner on Gregory Lane. Eventually, the city took over the street, and when the street 
the private lane was gone, but there were no sidewalks. The proposed plan for the building on the lot adjacent to Gregory Lane with an entrance that will exit onto Gregory Lane poses a safety risk for those residents that live in this location since the street acts as the passageway. The proposed plan has an exit to Gregory Lane for 10 homes with a possibility of an average of three cars per home and does not include the visitors, grub hubs, Ubers, gardeners, utility workers, etc., that will need to enter the complex for services through Gregory Lane. The Calvary entrance will only provide an increased propensity of injury for pedestrians with no sidewalk or serious collision. Moreover, the proposed exit leads directly onto a curved portion of the road on Gregory Lane with a reduced perimeter that may lead to a serious collision. The existing entry from Gregory Lane, which is the main, main thoroughfare, has four lanes and sidewalks and a bike path. And the previous entrance and exit from this property complex, home complex that's going to be built, was on to Garfield Street. There is another submission of a property that is right next to this large property. They want to build a 11,000 square foot home and knock down 2,600 home that's existing. He also wants to exit with a nine-car garage. He also wants to exit onto Gregory Lane. Again, Gregory Lane is a dead-end street with a cul-de-sac at the end. In order for you to understand my opposition to this, I want to just share some pictures with you. I can't go ahead, and I don't know if you can see this, but this is a picture from across the street on Garfield. I took this this morning. And you can see the entrance at 8311 goes to Garfield, not Gregory Lane. You can also see there's a great deal of frontage that they have at this property. Certainly enough to go ahead and make an exit and an entry out of that property onto Garfield, which would be a lot safer to the residents or prospective residents that are living on Gregory Lane or its tributary in the cul-de-sac called Laura Circle. This is a picture of, again, across the street. And I'll let you take a look at these. This picture is a picture of the gated entryway of a property that the Planning Commission is going to hear about tomorrow, about putting in a 11,000 square foot home and demolishing a 2,600. He is requesting a nine-car garage. Where does he want to exit? Well, he's got a gated iron gate motorized to go out to Garfield. He wants to exit onto Gregory Lane. This is a picture from the corner. This is a picture of the corner standing at front of Gregory Lane. 
And as you can see, there's an opening. That's where the people come to Calvary Church for their services, the religious schools for their children, every day. And it's crowded there on Sundays. This is approximately about, I walked there maybe about 35 to 40 yards before that opening. So there's a lot of traffic going in there. There's a lot of people coming in there on Sundays and religious schools on a daily basis. This is a picture of down the street. And you can see there's a curve there. You don't see any cars there. It's 10 o'clock in the morning. I took this this morning. There's no cars. The people are at work. But in the evening, do I have a little more time? In the evening, cars will park on this. Sir. This is a, uh, and I have Dean Torrance here tonight, but this is really Dead Man's Curve. Okay, thank you. Thank you. This is Dead Man's Curve. Thank you. The amount of traffic that you are going to bring down this little cul-de-sac with the church. Sir. And with all the cars coming out of this complex and the existing people that live there is a safety hazard ready to happen. And some pedestrian? Okay, sir, you'll have to, we understand. Some pedestrian or there'll be a head-on collision with somebody going into the church with their children. Thank you, sir. Next. Good evening, commissioners. My name is Daniel Shea. I live at 8341 Lower Circle. I'm in the immediate track that's being affected by this uh, property. Uh, I just want to bring up a few concerns I have in regards to the construction stage of this project. So as Robert have already shown you earlier, our track, Gregory Lang and Laura Circle, we only have one way in and one way out. Gregory Lang exits to Garfield, and that's our only way. We don't have any other way to get out to Newland or, or wherever. Gregory Lane is also a very narrow street. It was built substandard back in, I don't know, the 50s or whatever. We have red curves on both sides of the street and also at where this project is basically at where, where it turns. We also don't have sidewalks. So our residents, we walk in the streets. You see senior citizens walking with walkers in the street. You see family walking their pets in the streets. So where is this coming from? I think that during the construction stages of this project, it's very important to, to, to take a look at what's coming in and out of this street. If you are going to allow construction vehicles, heavy equipment, deliveries, and stuff like that coming onto Gregory Lane to have access, that is going to be a nightmare. That's going to be a traffic nightmare. That's going to be a safety nightmare. So what I'm requesting is the Planning Commission add a conditional or condition of approval for this project that the construction entrance and exit must be placed on Garfield and not on Gregory Lane. Similarly, the construction or the project generated vehicles must park on site instead of on Gregory and Laura Circle. Uh, I also want to point out a, someone pointed out earlier about the gate. Now I want to point out that what's shown on the plate does show a 30-foot gap, but
but the actual keypad itself is only about 15 feet away from the street. So if you have a larger vehicle that's making a delivery, or if you have the weekly trash pickup that's coming in, when they access that keypad, their vehicles, a third of the vehicles are actually gonna be encroaching onto a narrow Gregory Lane, where the red curve is actually at. Thank you. Thank you. Next person, please. Okay, thank you. My name's Dennis Jensen. I'm a resident of Huntington Beach, 18801 Gregory Lane. I've lived on the street 35 years. I've been a resident of Huntington Beach for 43 years. Um, several years ago, three and a half years ago, I met with Lynn Semetta and the person in, in Tessa's place at the moment uh, about the original plans for this. We then had a meeting of the neighborhood. We have 21 houses in Gregory Lane and Laura Circle. 17 of them showed up to the meeting, two sent proxies, one the family was on vacation, and another was sick. That's all 21 houses. Um, here today are nine of those houses represented. It's Valentine's Day, so we couldn't get everyone here. The whole neighborhood's concerned. Do we mind the houses? No, not really. If we have to have anything, those houses are okay. What we do mind is the entrance to Gregory Lane. It's a small private street. Along the curve, you'll notice here, along the entrance, this is red and this is no parking. Why is it no parking? It's no parking because it's not even 40 feet. I measured it today, it's 35 feet wide. That's pretty narrow. Furthermore, parking is allowed you've got a wider vehicle, that's going to be 24, 25 feet. So our concern is, how are vehicles going to get in there? Yes, they have an entrance for about 30 feet to come in if they go right up to the gate. You take a big delivery truck. I've had deliveries of furniture with a 58-foot semi. We have deliveries of sod. Those things come in in about a 58-foot flatbed. How are they going to get in? You bring in, um, we had today, one of the trucks that does, uh, what is it, um, ha, uh, tree trimming with the back chute. Um, that thing is too big probably to get in. So if they pull partway into the entrance to the new facility, they're going to be sticking out in the street. The neighbors that have, live right across from there have their garage filled. So they park their two cars on their driveway. Anybody visiting them or when their son turns 16, he's going to get a car. They're going to have cars there parked there all the time. And we do regularly have cars there parked there all the time. So you bring in a vehicle that wants to go in, and a second one, it stacks up the street. What happens if you have a fire truck? It stacks up the street. They'll stick out. Nobody can get in or out in an emergency. Furthermore, if you have a hook and ladder, because these are tall two-story houses, they're not going to be able to turn in. As uh, Daniel said, there's a, a bowl, an area blocking the middle of that entryway. That's going to make it even worse. So you have lots of safety issues here. How are, you know, and you're backing up vehicles. With all the neighborhood traffic we get, 
that's pretty bad. On Thursday mornings, when the church holds their services for um, uh, families, with uh, women usually come in with their children, we can get our entire neighborhood with no parking on the street available. They park all the way into our street because they overflow from the church. You bring in constructions for a couple years, or you bring in just anybody uh, having um, gardeners and so forth, and our street's going to be filled. It's going to back up that entryway to the gate. So what I'm saying is, many times that gate can back up. I'm not even sure a hook and ladder can turn into that uh, development there with what we've got and how narrow that street is at that point. So that's a danger for all the neighborhood. We have 19 seniors that live down Gregory Lane and Laura Circle that are beyond that gate. They're locked in there. You bring a truck in that, went, that parks for about five minutes while they're unloading their uh, forklift to make a delivery or something because they can't get into that development, um, you've got a problem. We can't get the paramedics there. Do the paramedics come to our street all the time? Yes. It's a danger, and that hasn't been considered. Now, Garfield could have the street, but they put a big house right on the end. So you'll notice here, this house is taking up a whole lot. We could run the street to Garfield. The uh, view down the street isn't too bad, and view this way towards West Garfield isn't too bad either. That would be safe. This So this is poorly thought out. On Garfield, it's a wide street. If we move the entrance to Garfield, it would be fine. We wouldn't object. But here, this is a danger. Um, we have the noise. We have um, the traffic increase, significant increase. I mean, these are five-bedroom houses. And you've got six parking spaces. Now, let's be honest. Nobody's going to use all the three parking spaces in their house. So they're going to fill up their garage, and they're going to park in their driveway. But five, uh, five bedrooms, some of those people are going to fill up four or five bedrooms and have three or four cars. Ten houses, 30 or 40 cars, potentially, that could be coming and going. Plus, as one of the previous speakers said, you've got um, all the construction, the, uh, not only construction, the um, landscaping, the deliveries, and everything else. You're going to have a lot of traffic there. And you're taking a neighborhood that is nice, that's quiet. We've all bought the houses. We've been there a while. We're all longtime residents, except one new family. Um, we've all built up our houses and approved them. Uh, and you're going to ruin it just because this developer wants to do it this way. Could we do it the other way? Sure.
He has chosen not to do it that way. Why? I don't know. But the end of currently is right here. Why not keep it there? Well, it doesn't work for his plan. Okay, I'll accept that. But he's got this area closed up as an easement for, um, I don't know what that means, sewer, water, delivery, utilities, and so forth. He can open this up, widen the river, make it a street. He hasn't done so. Um, there's no reason to do it this way, a good reason I can think of, but he doesn't want to, or she. So we oppose it for that reason, um, and otherwise, we do, we're not complaining, but we think we've got a lot of danger here. For fire departments coming in, for paramedics, for backing up the traffic, we've got people walking down the street all the time. It's a quiet neighborhood. There is no sidewalks. There's only a 16-inch easement before the curb, so we couldn't even put sidewalks in if we wanted to. And then one last question. There's a wall along there, if you look at the pictures, that goes along Gregory Lane. The wall was at least built in 78. I believe it was probably earlier. We all have the wall running along all of our properties, the back and between all the houses. That wall was probably there in 1960 when they built the development, all of our, the first 18 houses of the 21 on the street. Who owns that? I've asked the question two or three times. Tess didn't know the answer. Nobody else knows the answer. I don't think that property owners own that uh, wall. Do we as neighbors? Maybe. Um, but it was built with the development. So the question is, they're going to tear it down. Do they have the right to? And I think that's an important question. Thank you very much. Thank you. We have no additional speakers. Okay, now I close it. <laughs> close the public hearing. And thank you to the speakers, that was informative. Um, at, at this point, whoops, I don't have it. At this point, um, commissioners, would you like to say anything? Deliberate? Yes, Commissioner Rodriguez. Yes, I have a question for the applicant, so if he could come down, please. In the past, we've done, um, we've done development projects where the back side of a house, um, you could see the other side of the property, and we, had we have made some modifications to those. Is this something that you'd be willing to do to, yeah, with we, regards we to would, privacy we issues? We would certainly look at, um, if we have any particular windows that are looking into people's backyards, we can you know, either raise the sills or put in obscured glass but I believe that the planning department, along with our architect, have looked at how windows are placed and, and that and they're designed to be not, you know, so they can't see in other people's yards or other people's windows, I should say, where you have a window. There's no windows lined up with other people's windows. Okay. With that being said, um, what is the process that staff has to go through in order for this to fully be, the staff have to do it? Do we have to make a modification on our end or? So right now, as the plan as proposed, the um, second story windows of those on up down the hill is not going to line up with the windows of the proposed residence. As you can see from this graphics here, on the left-hand side, let me do this so you can see it bigger. Hold on one second. On the left-hand side, there's the proposed residence. 
and you go downhill at a distance of 85 feet to the existing residence. And because it's on the hill, there is no way that you can see, line up those windows. And our requirement is that um, new residential properties cannot have windows that line up with existing residences. And in this case, there's none that is lining up with those windows of the existing houses. Perfect, thank you. And then there was also some other um, uh, issues with regards to drainage. Has that been addressed? Um, Yes, I mean we've fully engineered the site to you know you know there's very strict you know stormwater drain requirements now in the in the county, you know, which we've done a thorough job and working with the city engineering department coming up with a with a drainage plan and we'll probably be reducing the drainage off site because we've got retention basins on site and so forth. Perfect. And then my last question is, uh, do you have a parking plan for employees? For, we don't have employees. I mean, it's not uh, a commercial uh, con site. Well, construction while construction is happening. I don't know the answer to that. Okay. I, I mean, I'd imagine that we, we would one. need whatever the city standards are for employee parking. Okay. 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 I'm sorry, I didn't know you were there. Okay. Thank you. I'm Shanine Tooley. I represent the developer, Olympia Capital, um, for construction. Um, we will be working, of course, with city staff to come up with a plan for not only construction traffic access to the site, which I would imagine, uh, based on comments that we've listened to tonight, obviously we can't obstruct Gregory Lane. Mm -hmm. um, we have good access from Garfield during the construction phase for a good portion of the work. Obviously, the underground in the easement, um, which is... Uh, underneath the uh, maintenance truck access from Garfield, which is being provided for actually a public work access, um, you know, in a permanent way. Uh, we would have to, you know, access from Gregory at the point that that work is going on. But otherwise, um, you know, we'll have a construction management plan that's acceptable to public works for control of traffic and um, security of the site, et cetera. Okay. Thank you. If I can add, under condition of approval number 3C, um, the applicant, before issuing a building permit, have to provide an interim parking and building storage um, plan to be uh, reviewed by community development um, department as well as public works and fire. So that's going to be submitted prior to the issuance of building permit. Okay. Thank you. Commissioner Twining. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, I just want to, I, I, you know, during the presentation, I was just writing down the hang-ups, the glitches, I guess you'd call it. Um, and Commissioner Rodriguez really hit on almo almost all of my notes. Uh, the one that he didn't hit on was uh, one of the gentlemen that I, I believe the one that has the residence down below, or somebody was, was asking about the the three or three and a half foot high or three and a half four foot high retaining wall that he thinks been there forever um, is that something that your geotech can can look at to see you know since it's at the bottom of a, a a larger hill now can they can they look at that retaining wall and see if it's sufficient to retain well absolutely I mean the site's been fully engineered you know and the and the, and the city engineering department have, have reviewed those plans 
And so whatever, uh, I'm not sure of the exact location of this retaining wall, but. I might be able yeah. to speak to this okay. as well. <laughs> so um, I believe the low retaining wall that was brought up is shown in the exhibit here, which is, um, appears to maybe be in this sample residence backyard, if you see it down the slope. Yes, yeah, I was referring to um, that. Obviously that's beyond our property, so we would not be touching that wall or doing any kind of investigation beyond our property. Um, we will be um, complying with the zoning requirements for constructing new perimeter walls where those are needed. Um, if there is an existing wall that doesn't need to be removed and replaced, obviously we would be leaving that in place. Um, so it's going to be dependent on the specific uh, sections of wall, um, you know, okay. as to how those are and dealt I was, with. I was happy to hear you say that you, you're going to look at making the entrance, the construction entrance, you know, off of Garfield, which I think solves some of the, the, the residents' uh, problem. And so I'm glad to hear that. Um, I think they'd like a permanent entrance and exit at, at, uh, at Garfield, but I won't touch that one right now. I think there's some uh, technical aspects to the prohibition of a permanent entrance from Garfield, and Public Works can probably explain that um, better than I can and or our civil engineer. And then the, my final my final one is, and I think you know Commissioner Rodriguez brought this up too, as uh, uh, during construction, I think we'd be much more comfortable up here if uh, all the parking for the construction workers was on site and not along the the resident streets. Oh, absolutely, that would be part of the construction management plan. Okay. Um, no project allows construction parking, you know, just in a neighborhood. Okay. That's not allowed. Except my neighborhood. No. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Wall was my question. You know what, sir? Sir, it's um, time for the applicant to deliberate. Okay. Well, Thank you. You're worried about the wrong wall. Okay. Thank you. Um, staff, could you comment on the issue about entrance exit? Thank you. So, for our zoning code, um, when a lot abuts a um, arterial highway or a local street. The requirement is that the access have to be from a local street to the on-site parking. So if you can see, Garfield is an arterial highway. Gregory is a local street. So based on our zoning code, the access have to be off of Gregory, which is a local street. And what's the for, for normal operations. For construction, again, the parking and the material storage plan have to be submitted to us. Uh, staff for the city for review, and we'll take a look at that. But what is the rationale for local versus arterial highway? Because this is a single family, it's low traffic. When you come out on arterial, it's fast moving traffic, and it's not as safe as someone leisurely gonna, and you know, access a local street and take their time to go out. Okay, thank you. Right, yes, Commissioner Kennedy. Thank you for the presentations. And uh, what my takeaway is, is this. We had three very persuasive sets of people, the Gregory residents, the young man down below with this gentleman, and the developer. It seems like they're really the one hiccup here is what you just referenced, Tess, regarding the entrance. So my only thought would be this. 
I understand where all three parties are coming from. First and foremost, at some point that land will be developed. So I believe it's in its highest and best use with single family residents. I think even the Gregory uh, neighborhood, I think agreed with that. Uh, I think they've mitigated this gentleman's uh, worries with the windows based on what I've just heard. And, and that's good news as well. Uh, regarding the entrance, I know what you just referenced. Is there not a way, this would take two things to happen. One, if there's a way to, because the Gregory entrance and the Garfield entrance, we're only talking about 30, 40 feet, maybe 100 feet, I'm not sure, between the construction entrance and Gregory. Would it be a huge stretch from the city's perspective to be able to somehow make a variance to allow for a permanent uh, entrance at the construction site entrance, but what that would then entail, I believe, based on this gentleman's plans, and what I've heard is they've moved a house, so I, I, I'm not sure if you have the ability, or, or, or are the nine homes in a row, and then the one facing Garfield is basically pulled back, is that the plan currently? Or are they 10 in a row? If you bring up the tentative map, you can, might be able to answer that question by seeing it. Beautiful homes, by the way. There was one animated graphic that kind of just showed showed a straight line overview. Maybe, you know, it's a little harder. Or maybe even the landscape plan would do it. Yeah. yeah. One that's a little more visible without all the architectural yeah. drawings. There you go. Yeah. So, okay. Oh, can you? If you could go back. Okay, so if I'm seeing that right, the house adjacent to Garfield is pulled, I'm terrible with directions, west towards Beach, Beach Boulevard. And I would believe that currently that will be the construction entrance to the east of that house adjacent to Garfield. Is that correct? Okay, well, this be, again, we'll have a construction management plan that will show how the, the ingress and egress to the site is gonna work. We'll work through with the engineering department, the planning department, or the building department to, to come up with how we're going to in, do ingress and egress during the construction period. Understood. So would, would there be any way or is it not possible to somehow create that in the end as the permanent entrance. I know what you said about the way it's... Well, th but, but what, that, what that happens is that that creates an engineering issue with the street across Garfield, because the engineering department doesn't like streets to not line up. So there's another street that's offset yeah, I know that from Hamden. this one. So, you know, and by the mere fact we would have to go for a variance you know, the, the city is the one that imposes this issue on us. Not, we're not imposing it on the city or we're not making this choice. Understood. So, Let me just ask the question hypothetically. Yeah. Um, if the city, if that was not a, the case, okay. 
and and the fact that it was adjacent to Hamden, I believe, is a street right across. Uh -huh. If the city said, Mr. Developer, and I'm sorry I didn't catch your name. All right, Bill. Bill? Yeah. We would we love your plan, and we would like to grant you the right to have a permanent entrance right there. Uh, this is all hypothetical. I think the Gregory neighbors would be ecstatic. You wouldn't have to change your layout. You've already kind of mitigated the concerns of the, the residents below with the, the, the windows. And really, is that something that the city has even the ability to do? Is Commissioner to, Kennedy? Yes. No, because the, um, the requirement to take access from Gregory as opposed to Garfield is in the zoning code. So we couldn't um, Fair approve enough. something that didn't comply with the code. All right. So for that, thank you for that answer. So I guess in the end, um, let's say worst, worst case scenario for the Gregory residents, this, this does pass. Um, I, I, don't, I, don't, you know, I don't have the answer for the Gregory residents in regards to, I understand the traffic. You know, it's Uh, we we don't have a meeting tomorrow, so let me clarify that for you. Yeah. Okay. Chair, Chair, I I just caution, Chair. Yeah. Yeah. Just take questions from staff, not from the audience. Okay. Okay. So, any more questions? Yes. Commissioner Wood. So, each of you have pretty much addressed all of my questions and or issues. Uh, there was a comment about uh, parking on site. Um, for the new homeowners, and I believe this project's going to be managed by an HOA, which will have CCNRs, which will help dictate the, the first choice is going to be for people to park in their garage, not in their driveway, their street. So I'm not, I don't think that should be an issue here, provided that um, the HOA manages that, manages that effectively. That's all I have. Thank you. Any other comments? Okay, hearing no other comments thank from... Thank you. Thank you, thank you, sir. Um, from commissioners, um, I would like to ask if we have a motion on this item. I make a motion. Wait a minute. I make a motion to uh, uh, approve the, the, this item on the agenda. Second? The, the recommendation uh, from staff, Co Commissioner Twining, you're saying this, yes, yes? Yeah. Okay. Just and I, know, I, don't, I don't have it in front of me now because I have the plans in front of me. I have it. Whoops. Would you like me to, to Vice Chair, you can just say move the recommended action if, yeah. if that's okay. Okay, we will move the recommended action if that's okay. Okay. And I'll call for the vote. All those there a sec I'm sorry, was there a second? I could second it. Commissioner Rodriguez. Okay. Okay, now I'll call for the vote. All those in favor? Aye. Hold on a moment. I'm not my my light up here isn't working. I haven't started the vote yet. Give me okay. one moment. Okay. 
Is everyone's light up? Nope. Okay, let's do it by hands. All eyes raise. Okay. Uh, motion carries. Uh, Commissioner Acosta Galvan is, is abstaining. Motion carries. Thank you. Chair Pellman, I'll just read the appeal notification. The decision by the Planning Commission is appealable to the City Council within 10 calendar days. An appeal must be, include reasons for such appeal, any required fee, and shall be filed with the City of Huntington Beach City Clerk within the 10-day appeal period. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Snyder. Okay. We will be moving on to the, to the next item. I'm going to allow a couple of minutes for the audience to clear. My phone button lit up. We should have just. Did? Mine, didn't mine didn't light up. Look at mine. Yours didn't? Yours didn't or did? Mine didn't. Yeah, mine did as well. Get my pictures from the council that I gave, please. Thank you. Chair Pellman, we, we do have Commissioner Acosta-Galvan back, so we yes. can proceed. Okay, thank you. Okay, at, um, at this point, um, we have, we ne we next, next we have a public hearing item. It's, it is Zoning Text Amendment ZTA number 2023-001, um, pro Prohibition on Builder's Remedy Application. Um, before we move on, Planning Commissioners, please state your disclosures regarding this item. And we can start with Commissioner Kennedy. I had a brief conversation with Councilman Burns and Councilman McKeon. Councilman Twining. I've had a brief conversation with Chair Pellman. Okay. And Commissioner Wood. No disclosures. Commissioner Rodriguez. I had a brief conversation with Councilwoman Mosier. Um, I also attended the 2 p.m. Uh, press release earlier today that happened at City Hall. And I saw Commissioner uh, 
disappointing as well. So uh, I'll. I was there. I'll let you all know. <laughs> and Commissioner Acosta Galvin. I spoke with Councilmember Kalmick briefly about this, and I contacted staff about it. Thank you. And myself, um, my disclosure is I met with uh, Vice Chair Twining and Commissioner Kennedy, spoke with Councilman McKeon, and attended the press conference today. And then there was written correspondence by Mr. Diggs, Mr. Hurd, um, Tarek, and Paula Sharwa and uh, the Kennedy Commission. Those are all the emails that I received. Thank you. And if, yes. Chair, if I could just mention, just in the future, you don't need to read out the, okay. the, the communications. The emails? Yeah, the emails. And when we're dealing with, we'll talk about this maybe at a, at a study session or some other time. If, if we're dealing with legislative kind of actions yeah. like this is going to be, generally you don't have to make disclosures, but okay. it's, fine so, if you, it's fine if you do. It's certainly not illegal, okay. it's just not necessary. Okay, and at this point, staff, do we have um, a presentation? Yes, uh, Chief Assistant Attorney Michael Vigliotto will give the presentation. And Chair, I apologize for the and, and Commission for the brevity of the of the presentation. Um, uh, as I mentioned, this is legislation, and it is driven entirely from direction that we received. The City Attorney's Office received from the City Council uh, via what we call an H item, and um, they directed the City Attorney's Office to, City Attorney's Office to draft an ordinance. Um, that prohibited what is colloquially uh, referenced as builder's remedy. Um, builder's remedy essentially allows developers to build in areas that are not otherwise zoned for, uh, or for residential activity um, if a city doesn't have a compliant housing element. So this ordinance would just make clear that our zoning code remains in place and that all projects have to comply with the zoning code. And with that, I conclude the presentation and can answer um, any questions. But I do want to mention, um, as I think you all are aware, <coughs> there's been some correspondence from the state um, regarding this ordinance. And to the extent you have questions I can answer, I'm happy to, to do so. But I will uh, caution the commission that they have threatened, essentially threatened litigation. So to the extent there needs to be additional discussions about legality and that kind of thing, we will have those discussions with the city council in closed session. So thank you. Thank you. Um, at this point, uh, commissioners, do you have any questions of uh, Mr. Vigliota? Yes, Commissioner Rodriguez. Yeah, just a couple questions uh, to Mr. Vigliota. The one pager we received states um, that uh, this whole legislation or zoning text amendment um, is happening because of industrial sites where residents uh, will be subject to diminished air, light, and sound quality because of being next to large industrial complexes. And I, I just wanted to uh, ask, like, what does this mean? Can you share some examples? Um, Sure, good, yeah, no, good question. So the whole idea, what we call Euclidean zoning, meaning that the city is set up in certain zones um, is, is not a new concept. It goes way back to the, to the dawn kind of, of of the country. And the reason it's set up, the reason zones are set up that way is to have like uses, like land uses, all kind of set up in certain areas. That way you don't create nuisance situations. And I'll give you an example. If there were no zoning, um, you could have residential neighborhoods abutting a heavy industrial area, 
right? So you could have single family homes right next to a nuclear power plant, mm -hmm. aside from other state laws and regulations like that. But again, just for, for zoning context. So um, that is that, that's the example that you're reading, is that without zoning, you are um, essentially allowing unlike uses to be adjacent to one another, which can cause problems with lighting, pollution, those kind of things. Okay. Um, I do have, um, I guess, I mean, the city has a history of either whether it be single families, um, housing, uh, schools right next to heavy industrial sites. I can name one of them, Republic Services. Um, so has the city ever in the past been an advocate for this or why is it sort of happening now with, with the builder's remedy? Because it, it is, I mean, it, it's, it happens throughout the city. I mean, we have not in you know, Southeast Huntington Beach, Magnolia Tate Farm right next to residential. And in it in itself, the, the housing element already has included different zoning throughout the city. So, yeah, I mean, it's I don't a question like, the question. Uh, I mean, uh, the question is if, if the city has come out in the past. Uh, to support um, environmental... Let, environment. let, me, let me just stop you. I'm not aware of the city coming out in support of a project that is incompatible with an adjacent use. Okay. It's not... And maybe, if Jen, if you have any insight into that. No? Okay. Um, and then one more question. Uh, so what, if you could help me walk through the process. So let's say the zoning tax amendment passes today. Um, it goes to the city council, gets approved. Uh, developer, builder comes in and says, I want to use builder's remedy at, at what what would be like the ramifications, any fees that we have to pay or litigation that comes through that? Or? Well, again, you mentioned litigation. I'm not going to discuss. I, I guess I, I don't want to talk about a hypothetical scenario at this point. Okay. Yes, I'm done for now. Sorry. Uh, commissioners, any other? No? Yes? Yes. Go ahead. Good questions. Um, just running off of the environmental uh, concerns with zoning, isn't that something that the HAA already covers? Um, I believe in there it says that a uh, city can deny a project as long as they make uh, find substantial concerns and make them in a written form. So why are we doing this if that's already provided in the law? Good, good question. So there is a provision in the HAA that does allow cities to deny a project based on, and I don't have the, I don't have it in front of me, but it has to be substantial health and safety concerns. And the the law went on to the law has just been amended recently to say the, it, it would rarely happen that you would have those kind of health and safety issues. But I, I believe CEQA already exists as a law that would still be impactful CEQA for, still applies, for correct. Remedy, yeah. right? CEQA still applies, correct. So that would then protect residents from being forced to live in an apartment building next to a factory, no? CEQA is not a law that, that prohibits environmental um, issues. It requires disclosure and some other things um, from the city, but it doesn't prohibit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so in a hypothetical situation, uh, 
when an application comes in, does that mean the planning department is just going to deny that application? Again, I'm not gonna, I don't want to get into hypothetical situations. The ordinance, when it's adopted, we'll, we'll implement it how we, how, we, how we determine the ordinance should be uh, implemented. Well, the <laughs> ordinance is very vague. It's one page. And we're voting on a zoning text amendment, and usually we get to know how it's implemented. I appreciate. I, I do appreciate your comments, and you, you certainly can vote however you feel that you should vote. Mm -hmm. Is there a reason that um, environmental and nuisance concerns can't be handled on a project by project basis? Why? Why does it need to be like a a catch-all? So I guess I'll go back to what I had mentioned earlier, that if the zoning is, if you're not following the zoning and someone is building pursuant to a builder's remedy project, they could build next to a whatever it may be that may, may cause health and safety concerns, or, or not even so much health and safety concerns, lighting, um, traffic, other, other issues that are not prohibited by the HAA. Um, I'd like to ask about, so I think the city was involved in a previous lawsuit about the HAA. Um, and I'm, I'm just going to stop you right now. I'm not going to discuss any previous lawsuits or anything to even deal if with. They've been resolved. Even, even to deal with, yeah, in any context with this, with this ordinance. Okay. Um, how about a lawsuit that does not have the city involved in it? Um, Again, I'm not going to. I'm not. I'm not California going to law. discuss. No, I'm not going to discuss litigation or the or the legal efficacy of the ordinance. Mm -hmm. Commissioner Acosta Galvin, are you done? Um, for the moment. Okay, thank you, Commissioner Rodriguez. Yeah, is. Um, under Builder's Remedy throughout the state of California, are you aware of any developments that have passed through Builder's Remedy? I'm not. You're not aware of any? Okay. Thank you. Commissioners? Yes, Commissioner Kennedy. If, if I may, and this is more of just uh, my approach to my first day here on the commission. There's obviously no audience here, and... and, and um, really just speaking to the people that may want to understand what the Planning Commission does and, and what the, the workings are. Commissioner, if I could interrupt just, a, just one moment. Could we open the public hearing and then perhaps sure. go on to council, or I'm sorry, uh, commission deliberation and discussion on this matter? So, um, unless there's other technical questions. Well, yeah, okay. Um, you mentioned that uh, there had been, I believe there were letters sent. I know I received a letter from HCD. Um, do you happen to know what they said the state might pursue in those letters? Like it's factually there in the letters. I don't have a committed to memory, sorry. Oh, um, does planning staff know by any chance? Thank you. Okay, I'll open the public hearing now. Okay. Oh. Oh, sorry, I thought it was done. Okay. I'm sorry. gonna look up that answer and I'll get right back to you. Okay. I'll open it now. And then I believe that Commissioner Kennedy had a comment. And I apologize for being out of the protocol. Uh, I will 
I'm a quick study, but um, just I, I just really wanted to just make a basic statement as to how we may or may not arrive at different things. For anybody that I, I personally watch some of these meetings by going to the city website. So, you know, um, I, I asked Pat Burns if I should make this statement. He said, go ahead. I said, maybe it's, it's, it's in line or out of line. But the way I see it is it's beyond the builder remedy. Um, a representative government is defined as a government where the citizens elect people to represent them. And local government, in my opinion, is the best place for citizen voices to be heard the loudest and should be respected. So when it comes to this, the residents of Huntington Beach, they knew who and what they were voting for on this topic as it was one of the pillars of the contract with Huntington Beach. And they let their voices be heard at the ballot box with an overwhelming election of the four now in majority. As an appointee of our elected council member, Pat Burns, I'm here to serve as an extension as his beliefs are aligned with the voices of the people that cast those ballots and put them in the majority. And I truly believe our residents know it's not the cost of this fight because we have the best in-house legal counsel in the country. Our residents also realize that it's the potential loss of our rights to govern our city per the charter that is truly at stake. So with that said, even the state auditor's report criticized the methodology and the housing allocation and agreed the numbers were overstated. So with that said, this vote, in my opinion, is a manifest manifestation of the voices of the majority of the Huntington Beach residents. And I believe it's truly a realization of what representative government is. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Kennedy. Chair Pelliman, just a quick point of order. Yes. Uh, it's just really administrative. We, we did open public comment, just for the record, there are no public speaker slips submitted, and so you, before you enter deliberations, you should close public hearing. Okay. Um, or public comment, I should say. Okay, so, okay. We'll, and then you could move on with deliberations. Okay. So, I will close public comments at Thank this you. point. Okay. Commissioner Twining. Well, since Don kind of opened up the door there, um, I might get a little bit off off topic too, but it's part and parcel with you know it's it's the, the whole issue. You know, I'm a 57 year resident of Huntington Beach. I've been here since I was nine, and I'm support. I'm going to support this amendment for you know many reasons. You know, not the least being that I have no idea where 13,368 units in this town that's 95 percent built, 95 percent of the property. In this in this city, is built on. I don't know where thirteen thousand six you know thirteen thousand three hundred sixty eight units are going to go. I, I, the right the right of housing allocations, in my opinion, and in the, in the opinion of the the state auditor, were arbitrary. Vice Chair, if I could just make sure we get the discussion pointed in the right direction. We're yeah. not here to talk about the arena allocation no, I tonight. I just making and, a yeah. point. Sure. But I, what I want to say, though, is I think the, 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 the builder's option is, is bullying by the state to either pass a housing plan that they'll approve or they're going to they're gonna send their, their uh, uh, builder option or put their builder option on us. And that's what I don't like. You build 13,368 units or we're going we're gonna to hoist the, the, the builder's option on you. 
that's it. And that's kind of how I feel about it, and that's why I'm going to support this thing, because, like I say, as a 57-year resident of Huntington Beach, I think it's something that's worth fighting for. I've seen, I've seen this town since it was almost nothing to where it is today. I like where it is today. I don't want to see 13,368 units here, and I don't want to see developers just come in here and build wherever they want, whatever they want. That's it. Thank you, Commissioner Twining. Any other commissioners? Yes, Commissioner Wood. Yeah, I, I, I understand what you're saying, um, Mr. Twining, and I know we're not here about arena discussion, but um, I believe that there was at one point last year where council was providing um, a housing element that was passable and acceptable to HCD, is that correct? Yes. And unfortunately, it didn't go through. Um, we can argue all day long whether the arena number is, is bogus and how it was derived probably was not kosher, <laughs> so to speak. Um, the fact it is what it is, and at some point, we at least have to get an approved housing element. If we had an approved housing element, we wouldn't be talking about builder's remedy because um, you know build, builder's remedy only exists if there's no approved housing element, which we still don't have. So it's a sticky situation. It's a slippery slope, but unfortunately, um, you know, it's taken a long time to get to this point and uh, Huntington Beach is no different than several other cities in Southern California that also don't have approved housing elements. Um, I just think at some point um, that housing element needs to be uh, to the forefront and I believe our council is working towards that. Thank you. Commissioner Rodriguez. Yes. Um, so I agree with Commissioner Kennedy on a lot of things and even which Commissioner Twining regarding a representative form of government and you know local control. Nobody wants, wants to be told what to do, but the policy we have in front of us, the zoning text amendment, the ordinance that essentially will, you know, is looking to be approved tonight, it's very broad. You know, you're asking us to approve something when a lot of commissioners themselves are having um, sort of confused thoughts about the arena numbers versus housing elements versus the zoning text amendment that we have in front of us. So I, I myself won't be supporting the, the, um, the zoning text amendment for, for a variety of reasons. And, and I took some time to sort of write everything down and, and kind of get my, my thoughts going. So the planning commission is a quasi-judicial quasi board, meaning that the decisions we make are based on existing law. The fact, you know, I think, you know, the city attorney, I think is asking us to violate existing law. And to me, that puts our city in a necessary um, financial and legal exposure. Uh, we as a board have a fiduciary duty to our city of Huntington Beach, and I won't be part of anything that will put us at risk. Um, if the city council wants to do it, that's their choice. Um, they don't need the zoning text amendment to do that. So... That's my number one reason. Number two, um, again, I mentioned the zoning text amendment is very vague. Um, citing diminished air, light, and sound quality for reasons to support this proposed ordinance, I think, in my opinion, is irresponsible because builder's remedy policy, there's already provisions that prov protect against that. So earlier I came to the 2 p.m. You know, um, uh, meeting that was outside. 
uh, with uh, Commissioner um, Council Member McKeon and Mayor and the City Attorney, and uh, you know repeatedly there was um, the fact that Builders Remedy was just uh, sort of this um, policy that just comes through, and there are no there's nothing that we can do against it, and there there's actually five things that um, are protected. And so one of them is environmental concerns. So even, even if Builders Remedy comes through, we as a city have the ability to say, we can't approve this project because of environmental concerns. Um, and then number three, just the final reason is that this is a direct attack on affordable housing in the city. The city has a robust affordable housing policy that started back in 1980s, 1990s, um, a lot of you know my story. I grew up in Oakview, which is one of the lowest income neighborhoods in Huntington Beach. And a lot of the affordable housing was put in that area um, and, and, and throughout the city. Um, but, you know, tell that to a single mom who's trying to make ends meet or the elderly um, woman or man who is on a fixed income that there is no space for them. I think that's the wrong message that we want to um, send to the, the rest of the city and the county. When I look at Huntington Beach, I look at, look at it as a city that's a leader, but right now we're not leading in anything with regards to affordable housing or job, job creation. A lot of that is going to Anaheim and Irvine. And to me, like, how are we going to sustain good paying jobs without the ability to house a workforce? And we actually did that through the housing element. You know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, zoning and, separation of zoning between industrial, between single-family homes and multifamily. The housing element did that. If the current council doesn't want to acknowledge that, if the current majority doesn't want to look into it or even read the thousand-plus pages that we went through as a commission, that's their fault, you know? So my message to, to, the, to the council majority and to my colleagues here is, you know, that, that we really look at what we're approving as a policy the policy itself, again, is very vague, um, and it will get us nowhere besides getting sued, and it'll be a financial disaster for our city. So with that being said, I conclude my comments. Um, I want to make sure that um, most of my colleagues um, understand where I'm coming from and why this is happening. It's, I'm not against any of you or, you know, I, I always come with um, the intention of us to get along and so that we can have these honest discussions, but I, I cannot support this vague policy. So with that being said, uh, I conclude my comments. So thank you. If, if I could just jump into, I just want to remind the commission that this any, any action you take will be a recommendation to the city council. You won't be approving anything this evening. And Oscar, I do, I do want to say, I read most of that 1100 page report and that was a killer report. Mm -hmm. I, uh, that was unbelievable. I didn't agree with all of it, but it was fantastic. Took me yeah, I mean, we even we even took out some properties. We know as we had discussions with other residents. Um, so, to me, it was a robust uh, project that a lot of staff Jennifer was part of, and she did an amazing job, and the staff themselves. So, you know, I look forward to to seeing ways that we can allow the current council to sort of look at that and sort of. A, hopefully approve it so that we don't, we're not sitting here fighting on this builder's remedy thing, which to me is... I just want you to know that yeah. I, I read it and I appreciate it and it was a very good report. So well, thank you for that. Job. I appreciate it.
Any other commissioner? Yes. Um, I believe, Jennifer, you found uh, the letter. Yes. Um, so the HCD letter was sent to us, um, I think, on Monday. But essentially, it concludes three things. Um, one, that adoption of the ordinance, um, according to HCD, adoption of the ordinance would be a violation of fair housing law, um, would jeopardize the city's pursuit of housing element compliance or certification. And then lastly, under their um, enforcement authority within the Housing Accountability Act, they are allowed to notify the Office of the Attorney General for the state um, and refer matters to them. Right, and the, the Attorney General has been notified, right? Yeah, the, the letter also states that the Attorney General is aware of the matter. Right. Um, thank you. Um, so, as, as Commissioner Rodriguez said, I'm, I also will not be supporting this item. Um, I don't know how I could possibly recommend to City Council to pursue a zoning tax amendment that would place us in so much jeopardy with the state. We had a, a substantially compliant housing element that HCD um, informed us they would most likely approve and we wouldn't be in this boat if we had passed that and we could go back to that housing element and pass it and we would be not in this position of having builders remedy projects uh, come into the city. Additionally, um, as Commissioner Rodriguez said, the zoning text amendment is extremely vague. I am very uncomfortable recommending it when we won't know how it will be enforced. It doesn't even mention, like SB 330 is the, the method that most builders remedy applications, that builders remedy applications have to use to, when they apply to the city, and it's not even mentioned in the zoning text amendment. We're just referring to a colloquial uh, term as like some hypothetical thing that maybe a developer will come in and say, I want a builder's remedy application, and we're not even gonna state how the planning department will deal with it. Uh, the planning commission is here to look at our zoning code, our general plan land use, and have actual directives for the planning department, and this is not doing that. Any other comments? No? Nope. This way? No? Nope. Mm -mm. Okay. Um, at this point, I will close the public hearing, right? Uh, technically, we've closed the yeah. public comments, so okay. you, can, you can call for a motion would okay. be the most logical next step. All right. So at this point, I'd um, like to ask if there is a motion on this item, please. I, I motion to approve the item, bring to vote and approve. Okay. And is there a second? No. Okay, thank you. So Commissioner Kennedy has made a motion to approve um, the recommendation from staff. And Commissioner Twining has seconded the motion. Any discussion? Call for the vote. All those in favor? Voice vote. Raise your hands, please. Oh, hands, okay. 
Motion passes. Uh, Commissioners I'll... Rodriguez and uh, Acosta Galvan voting no. Oh, and Commissioner okay. Adam absent. Okay. Thank you. Okay. And then we're going on to. Uh, okay. So we're on the consent calendar. And there's no con there's nothing, right? Uh, we we have three sets of minutes oh, okay. on the consent calendar. Um, I would recommend that um, Commissioner Kennedy abstain since it's his first meeting, but we can do it as a single motion, uh, approve all three of those items. You would just need a motion, or if there's any edits or corrections you want to add to the record. I, I just have one question. I, it, this is the way I read it. I don't know if, if, how Tracy feels about it, but our Commissioner uh, Palman feels about this. But you're asking her to sign minutes to meetings she wasn't at. Is that yeah we're in a technically when a majority changes like this it puts us in a difficult situation uh, essentially we're the minutes are uh, uh, everything's recorded obviously visually it, it's just memorializing what occurred um, if, if I could just jump in maybe help Matt out it's it's perf it's as I think we saying it's per it's a perfunctory action and um, in order for us to do it, we would have to we'd have to what's called rehabilitate um, to get f at least four of you. So at this point, again, because it's a perfunctory vote, um, uh, we're, we're you're fine to go. I, ahead I'm in that. I'm in favor of it. So you know, we only need four of us. So, mm -hmm. so should I do them one at a time or all three? We just need a uh, the recommended. We just need a motion to approve the consent calendar in a second, and we could okay. do one vote. Maybe if we could get. Commissioner Acosta Galvan to make the motion and, and Oscar to second, and then just go down the line till you hit four. Okay. Um, I'd like to motion to approve the minutes from November 16th, 2022, December 13th, 2022, and January 10th, 2023. Second. Thank you. Um, all those. Okay. Aye. Commissioner Rodriguez. Aye. Commissioner Kennedy? And I'm going to abstain. Okay, so you got your four votes. Do, okay. do you have four? Do we have four? Four. You got four. Yes. Okay. Uh, commissioners, um, Chair Pellman and Commissioner Kennedy are abstaining. Commissioner Adams is absent. Motion carries. Okay, thank you. Um, non public hearing items? We have none, right? Correct. Okay. Planning items. Next on the agenda are planning items. Can staff provide a report, please? Yes, I have a few items uh, for this evening. First, um, there was a bylaw amendment that was distributed with the packet. Um, however, there's been a request to um, pull that item and continue to a future meeting date. Um, there's some other suggested changes. And so I would also... Um, provide an opportunity to anyone else who has any proposed bylaw changes to provide them to staff and we'll bring them together as one single package. Bylaw amendments, it's a, it's a two-step hearing process. They have to be introduced at a hearing and then they are actually acted on at a, at a second meeting. So I'd appreciate if anyone has any additional bylaw recommended changes to forward them to me. Um, the next item, uh, which is done, um, on an annual basis is to discuss the advisory board and committee assignments. And so we distributed the current uh, assignment list 
uh, with a request that you um, communicate any preferences to the chair. And at this time, I'll turn it over to Chair Pellman if you um, wanted to discuss those assignments. Let me pull that up really quick. Let me pull it up over here. Okay. Um, can they email me with their recommendations, or is that not how you do it? No, absolutely. They can email okay. through your, everyone has a city-issued email. If they want to go through or copy me, that's fine as well. Okay, so there's uh, six, six positions, one voting position, which is the design review board. Each one of the positions has a, um, an alternate commission member. And so if you would email me what your preferences are, and then I'll put something together for the next commission meeting. Is that okay? That works, and I'll just uh, let everyone know that um, actually our next design review board has been canceled. There's no items. Okay. So that um, affords us a little bit of time. Okay, perfect. Okay, and is there any... Uh, just one, one additional thing, or just a few additional things I wanted to mention, that the zone text amendment on medical offices on the first floor you considered at your last meeting was approved unanimously by council. Um, and also on Thursday night, there at five o'clock, there is a uh, orientation for all new um, commissioner board members in the city. Um, and I think invites were previously sent out. So I uh, just want to remind everyone of that. And um, I will mention that we currently do not have any items scheduled for the next meeting. So in all likelihood that will be canceled and our next meeting would be the first meeting in March. That's all I have this evening. Thank if you, I, Mr. Snyder. I, yes, Mr. Yes, Commissioner yes. Rodriguez. Uh, question. Uh, I, I received the email for the planning commissioners. Um, what's it? The, the academy. The academy. Uh, so everyone that reached, we had four commissioners reach out, and you were among them, and we've we've completed Perfect. the registrations. If there's anyone else, and I spoke to Commissioner Kennedy earlier, um, and I'll have to check. It does sell out, and um, mm -hmm. I can see if there's anyone else who still wants to sign up. Sure. Commissioner Kennedy. Just a question on the committees. Is is the pool of possible appointees limitless? I mean, is it confined to this group or people that we think it, would be a fit? Or? It, it's strictly uh, planning commissioner uh, members, and you're basically going to serve as a liaison to these boards. And um, only one is a voting member, that would be the design review board. The others, you're basically there for informational purposes, gathering information and what you feel is appropriate, you can report back to the commission. I have a question. What, under what part of the uh, agenda do the commissioners report back? What, what would that be? Because I don't see it here tonight. It typically would be the next item on the agenda, so it's a great segue. I feel like we planned that out. Okay. Um, <laughs> which is commissioner reports. Okay. So. Okay, yeah, I see that, okay. And I have no other items, thanks. All right, so at this point, um, so um, this is the last item on the agenda. We are hereby adjourned to the next Planning Commission meeting, which is council. I'm sorry, before, before uh, typically we do uh, Planning Commission items. Yes. Uh, so uh, you'd provide an opportunity for each commission member to do any report. Oh, I thought that was for the board reports, no? Okay. It, it could be anything. Oh, okay. Uh, so this it's, is it's when a, this is when we would say whatever we wanted to say outside of what's on the agenda. Absolutely. Okay. I'm, I'm on a learning curve right here. That's okay. You're doing good. <laughs> okay. So reports from each planning commissioner. Acosta Galvin. No comments.
Commissioner Rodriguez. Uh, no reports at this time, thank you. Commissioner Wood. No reports. Commissioner Twining. No. Commissioner Kennedy. No reports, but I would like to say I look forward to getting to know all, all the people here on the board and uh, working with you guys. And I appreciate the onboarding I got today from Jennifer and Mr. Vigliota and Kimberly and Matt over here. I really do appreciate it. And I do plan on leveraging the staff because I've heard nothing but good things about the resources you guys provide and look forward to meeting and working with you all too. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, at this point, I hereby adjourn, adjourn the, to the next planning commission meeting, which we just heard is canceled, right? Is that uh, what I heard? Te technically, and, and again, I know you're in our learning curve, we should adjourn to the February 28th meeting, okay, and, then, and we will send out an official cancellation notice. Okay, thank you.